What's going on, Card Nation? Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. Here on a Thursday night episode, I think we're at 54 now of the show. Taylor Lynch, Lewis Metzinger with you as always. Lewis, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot, dude. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. We've been, uh, it seems like we do a week, that we're off a week, then we do a week, that we're off a week, but uh, hopefully we can get things back on track here. And uh, we've got a good show lined up for you guys tonight. Lots of guests, lots of football talk going on on the breakdown tonight. Um, we're going to be joined here in just a little while by David Hood, our buddy David over at TigerNet.com. Going to talk a little bit of Clemson with us as we continue the summer football preview series with them. And then we'll follow him with uh, Alan Moff of the Record Courier in Canton, Ohio. Going to talk some Kent State football with us, the fourth opponent for Louisville in this upcoming football season. Also, we're going to get into some NBA Summer League. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is absolutely balling in the Summer League. We'll talk about that. I've got a hot take on Russ Smith. Um, and uh, maybe it's not so hot. Lewis has a hot take on Kent State, too. Uh, that we'll talk about a little bit. So, uh, if you want to, let's just go ahead and get right into it, uh, guys. You know how to get in touch with us. Hit us up on Twitter at the Breakdown UL, at Lewis Metzinger, or at Taylor Lynch. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast, and make sure, guys, you go ahead and share the podcast out. If you're listening on iTunes, it's really easy. Just go down to the bottom there and share this episode out. Um, our listenership continues to grow, and it's because of you guys uh, sharing it out and listening to it every week. So we really, really appreciate that. So, Lewis, let's get right into it here, and let's talk a little bit of this NBA Summer League. Like I said, Donovan Mitchell is absolutely killing it um, with Utah. But we've got a couple other guys in Summer League play. Um, I know Mango is, um, I think... He's with Charlotte, I want to say. Yes, that's correct. I may be wrong, but you're the guy that knows all about this. This was this was your assignment for the day, so I'll let you go ahead and give kind of an update on where our guys are at, who they're with, and, and how things are going. Yeah, so like you said, Donovan's kind of been – he's kind of blowing up on social media a little bit. Um, it seems like not only Utah fans, but just basketball fans around the country are are pretty impressed by – uh, what he's been doing on the court, and that's obviously no surprise to you and I or any uh, rest of Card Nation. But um, I think that some people that don't get to watch him on a day-to-day basis are impressed um, for good reason. Um, based on, let's see, the Summer League um, website, which is nba.com slash Summer League, if any of you all are interested in keeping up with all the stats, um, Donovan's he's pl- averaging about 25 and a half minutes a game, 19 Gosh. points a game. Um, which is impressive. Yeah, uh, shooting about forty-seven percent from the field, averaging uh, two rebounds, four and a half assists, and three steals, which um, <laughs> that that's a pretty insane stat line um, for a young guy like that. And like I said about him kind of blowing up on social media, some of the clips he's had, um, particularly I was impressed by that behind-the-back pass um, that I retweeted yesterday. That was ridiculous. Uh, you know, dishing out one of his. Uh, three assists a game or four and a half assists a game to his teammates there for a dunk and on a fast break, which was impressive. Um, and then, like you did, like you said, um, Mango is playing uh, for Charlotte. Um, looks like he's averaging uh, 17.2 minutes a game, uh, 4.4 points. Um, let's see, gets five rebounds. So, still, not a bad little stat line there for Mango especially for those of us that kind of watch Mango throughout his career, the fact that he's given it's summer league basketball, um, he's still making an impact. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's great. Um, and I mean, obviously there's, a, there's a lot of UK guys also playing, but uh, those are our two guys that are I think just about the only ones in the, in the summer league right now. Mango's doing a little bit, uh, or basically he's doing exactly what he did um, when he was here at Louisville. He's killing it on the boards um, and he's dishing in a couple points every now and then, but um, I think I think there's a place for him in the NBA. Do you think there's a place for him in the NBA? I mean, with some of the players that are in the NBA, yes, I can definitely see him <laughs> being a role player. Um, obviously, never going to be a star, but uh, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have to be a star to make money in right. the NBA or anywhere else. I, I think he'll definitely. Um, if he doesn't make it an actual NBA roster, I know that he'll be successful playing overseas because he's got a, especially, again, got to keep in mind this is summer league basketball. These are not right. the, the top of the line players, but he looks big out there. 
like in comparison to these other guys. I mean, he's he's always been extremely muscular and he's a big dude. So I think he's definitely going to make some money, whether it's in the NBA or overseas somewhere. I agree. And, and I really think and I was thinking about this today as I was prepping for the show. We were talking about Donovan Mitchell and the decision of whether he should go, whether he should stay. And I think that there was a large segment of the Louisville fan base that really thought that Donovan needed to come back. And now I think when you watch him, <laughs> you watch him in the summer league, and granted, like you said, we'll, we'll preface it, it is summer league. Um, but when you watch him, dude, it's like this guy would have been nuts to come back for another year. I mean, with what he's doing up against other NBA talent on a nightly basis, averaging 19 points, I don't care if it is summer league, you're averaging 19 points with other professionals. I mean, the stuff that he's doing is ridiculous. So to think that we were delusional a few months ago that he should come back, I mean, I I think it's safe to say Donovan made the, the right decision. I think so. I mean, I, we all kind of had the same kind of um, trajectory. Ugh, I hate that Words word. are hard. You know what I mean? They are hard. Um, but we all kind of felt the same way about him. It was when he left, everybody was kind of like, what is he doing? This is crazy. Uh, he needs to come back, stay another year, uh, just based on some of the games we saw in the tournament. But then we all kind of just saw our, our minds change as he did more, more interviews, uh, more workouts, and you saw his insane vertical and um, just, you know, some of the same stuff that we saw him do here at U of L, and you kind of your mind kind of changed, and it became the point that he's ready. You know, we just need to accept it. He's going to make a lot of money, um, and he kind of worked his way up from I think initially being very late first round, maybe early second round, all the way up to the lottery. So, um, props to him, and and obviously he's making a splash. He's he's top five in points and top five in assists in the summer league. So. That's nothing to scoff at. So, I think he made the right decision. I think it's just hard because I would have loved to see a couple more Donovan Mitchell dunks in a Cardinal uniform. I would have loved to have seen it too. And I think now with the move, uh, Gordon Hayward going to the Celtics, I think that that really opens up some more minutes for Donovan Mitchell uh, to really make an impact uh, in this coming NBA season um, with the Utah Jazz. I really think that they've he's got an opportunity there. Um, and obviously, I mean, if he continues to do what he's doing in the summer league and, and can carry that over even half of that into the NBA regular season, when it comes time for that second contract, Donovan Mitchell's going to make him some money. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it because the second contract is one where you really, you really get your money. And, and Donovan, I mean, if he continues and I mean, if he plays up to the the potential, he's going to make quite a bit of money in this league. Um. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, I know there's a couple summer leagues that are going to be wrapping up and a few that are going to be continuing. So we'll keep you guys updated and let you know what's going on um, with all the different summer leagues and all the guys that we've got um, around. Let me. See, I want to try to play this quickly here. Um, it's a little clip from the Utah Jazz from their Twitter profile. Let me see if we can if I can get this. We love the staff for that, and, and we work hard. We work hard at development. We have demands as Donovan's going to get a dunk here. Whoa. Nice pass by Eric Griffin on the backdoor cut. Donovan, I love how it almost seems like their announcers are just as, you know, uh, like are they already getting used to Donovan just doing Donovan stuff? Because I, I love that. You're going to hear a lot, of, a lot of crowd reactions like that this season for the Jazz. Here's one that. Uh, this is a, a defensive play from Donovan Mitchell. Let's see if we can get the whole thing to load here. Here we go. Well, that was a de design play. Dante was looking for him all the way. How about the steal? He's got Dante. Beautiful pass. Oh, my. Mitchell and Dante X will bring the crowd to their feet. Beautiful timing. He's got that breakaway speed. Flipped it behind his back, Ron, and Exum there to flush down two. And for the most part, this is all he has. So Donovan Mitchell gets the steal, and he flips it behind the back pass there to Dante Exum for the slam. And um, it was a beautiful move there uh, by Donovan to get it to the open guy. But again, just like you said, a lot more reactions uh, from the Utah Jazz crowd 
uh, like that this coming season when they get a chance to watch Donovan Mitchell because it's going to be something else. Um, another guy, Lewis, that I think could definitely be making some big money, Russ Smith, and he is tearing it up in China. And I mentioned at the top of the show that I had a Russ Smith hot take. Lewis, I think Russ Smith would fit in perfectly with two NBA teams. Really, he'd fit in with any of them, but I think Cleveland and Golden State. Hot take. Russ Smith should be a Cavalier. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it. I mean, like you said, he could fit in with any NBA team. I mean, he's. I think he'd be kind of playing the kind of a combination of the senior Russ Smith who would just take a 1v a 1v5 fast break and turn it into points mixed with the sophomore season Russ Smith where he came off the bench and coach Patino just said go get me some points um, so <laughs> I think he's definitely polished his game to the point where he can score you know just as well as he ever has but I think that he's not going to be your starting you know he's not going to be your starting point guard like he's just He's not that type of player. He doesn't really have the size for it in the NBA, but he's definitely the type of guy, clearly, at every level, um, who can just flat-out score. I mean, that's what he does. He's just a scoring machine, and we're seeing that right now in the, I think it's the NBL, I think is the league that he's in right now um, in China. Um, So I would love to see him just, like I tweeted, just give him a shot. Just put him on some roster. Just give him a couple minutes a game and just see what happens. Like, I really think I don't know what happened with Memphis, but it, it didn't work out. But I really, truly believe he's one of those kind of once in a lifetime type scorers. Um, and, and I think, like you said, he'd fit in with the Cavs just fine. And I think he he fits right along with the type of scoring runs that Golden State likes to go on. So wouldn't be surprised either way. I'd love to see Russ Smith in a Warriors uniform, and I know you would too. Oh yeah, because you know. You know, I'm a Warriors fan, so I, you're, I the, would, you're the biggest and longest dude, I Warriors am. fan that I've I, ever known. I am. I, one of these days, I'll say, you know, I remember watching them in Oracle when they yeah. were still playing in Oracle. Well, they're building the uh, the new arena or stadium there. When uh, are the When are the Patriots building their new stadium? <laughs> Shut up. Oh, that's not even funny. Uh, Bill hasn't called me yet and asked yeah, me about renovations. So when he does, I'll let you know. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I. you can't tell me that there's not a place in the league for a guy like that that can just get you buckets. In a league where, let's be honest, defense, not a lot of teams play it. And, I mean, the reason I automatically thought about Cleveland was LeBron has been saying, and everybody's been saying, that LeBron needs shooters. Get LeBron somebody that can shoot the ball. I mean, send Russ Smith out there for 10 minutes and tell him, Russ, don't worry, just go get points. Just go get buckets. And he it would, would do it. He would do it, without a doubt. So, Lewis and I are on the uh, on the bandwagon. We'll sign a petition. We Somebody has to – I mean, and, and there's a lot of NBA teams that have a ton of holes. Like – you can't tell me that somebody can't afford to throw 10 minutes Russ Smith's way. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I wonder if there's something else going on. I don't know. And we, we may never know. But there's got to be some NBA team that has a roster spot that they need somebody that can score 81 points a game. I just, I, I kind of just think that's a no-brainer. Again, guys, lots of stuff we're going to get to tonight on the show. Our buddy David Hood of TigerNet.com set to join us here any minute. We're going to talk some Clemson football as our summer football preview series rolls along, getting two of them in today, Clemson and then Kent State uh, with Alan Moth of the Record Courier there in Canton, Ohio. We'll be talking to both of these guys um, momentarily on the show. Again, if you're listening, please share the podcast out. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, again, just hit the little share button there and share the podcast out. Let everybody hear all the craziness that goes on here on The Breakdown, episode 54, I do believe. Um, it's hard to believe we've done that many, but hey, um, we're having fun with it and enjoying ourselves. And Lewis had a monumental uh, occasion the other day. Um, he texted me and let me know that he has purchased his tickets, ladies and gentlemen, for the season opener for the Cards and the Boilermakers in Indianapolis. And I did shed a little tear. I'm so I'm so proud of you 
for just just jumping in there, just jumping in with both feet, saying you're going to go to a game. You're going to take a road trip. You're going to go to a game. I'm so impressed. I'm so proud. Honestly, I have to be completely straightforward. My brother came up to me and asked if I wanted to get tickets and basically forced me to. So not that I wouldn't have, but it was his idea. So, Dude, that's just sad. That's just sad. Yeah. Why would you? I mean, why? It's not that I wouldn't. It's you can just, get I, student I, tickets. <laughs> I know. I just I don't, don't understand. I just don't think about it as much. Like I, I'm the type of guy I'd rather be at home, sitting on the couch watching the show than you're that. You're that guy. I have a I better am. view on my TV. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're that guy. Not, I have multiple better views. Like I get to see the replays up close, and I don't have to. You know, sit there and with binoculars from your seat in uh, Papa John's Cardinal Stadium and and wonder where the football is. You know, I could sit in my underwear and watch it because we know Lewis doesn't wear pants during the show at all at any point. Actually, ever in life, but yeah. Why not? It makes it difficult when you're at work though, and you uh, you gotta wear pants then. No, they they get over it at a certain point. <laughs> they just accept it, move on. Yeah, they know. That's just Lewis. It's cool. It's cool with them. It's cool with me. It's cool with them. Hey, whatever. Who cares? Um, so let's let's get into this a little bit um, while we wait for David to join us here. Uh, the Cards and the Clemson Tigers doing battle third game of the season for the Cards and for Clemson. Um, the first home game for the Cardinals of the 2017 season as they welcome the defending national champions into Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. The last several games between these two schools have been nip and tuck all the way. Um, Clemson has a a lot of holes to fill on this year's squad. Um, Louisville looking like uh, they could be loaded. Um, not uh, not any real glaring losses, I don't think across the across the board and then you return that the, uh, the uh, Heisman Trophy winner from a year ago so things seem uh, things seem good on the offensive side of the ball it's just going to be the offensive line that and obviously we've talked at nauseum about that but Clemson a lot of holes to fill Deshaun Watson's gone um, several of their right uh, three of their top four wide receivers are gone running back Wayne Gallman is gone um, so there's going to be some some real question marks um, about this Clemson team heading into this coming season. Um, Lewis, just on the outside looking in at this Clemson team, what what were your initial thoughts um, as you kind of look at them and and uh, and get a feel for them? I mean, the thing that, that comforts me the most is obviously that it's a home game, um, and I'm hoping we have a little bit of that um, Florida State home magic. I'm pretty sure that was the third game last season, so um, maybe we could recreate that a little bit. Um, clearly, I'm really intrigued to see um, Clemson's quarterback play um, just because I've been grown accustomed to Deshaun Watson and what he can do. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. Basically, when you change quarterbacks, it feels like it's a whole new team, regardless of the other pieces you might have around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's going to be really, really fun to watch. And I'll obviously be dialed into them starting at the beginning of the season seeing as it's only a few short weeks before the start of the season or after the start of the season, I should say, um, that we'll have to face them. But that's gonna it's going to be crazy. Um, again, I just hope that we have some of that, that Florida State magic going on because I, I think we really need to get the Clemson monkey off our back. I think you're right. And the perfect guy to ask about all things Clemson Tigers is David Hood of TigerNet.com joining us on the show now. David, welcome in. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. It just uh, makes me realize we're a little bit closer to football season. That's right, and it can't get here soon enough, that is for sure. So the defending national champions, David, how's that How's that feel? How's that sound to you? You know what? It, it, in a lot of ways, it still doesn't seem uh, <laughs> you know, quite real. Uh, you know, uh, I, I was there, took it all in, wrote about it. I've, you know, I've written about it several times since then, but uh, – <laughs> You know, after the night, it, it just, um, you know, now it's on to the next one. It seemed like after, you know, maybe a few weeks, it was time to move on to the 2017 season. 
it is time to move on to that 2017 season. And um, I think you had uh, quite a few fans uh, all around the country as the Tigers took down the mighty Alabama. It seemed like a lot of people were getting tired of seeing the Crimson Tide winning all the time. So finally we get one for the ACC with Clemson claiming the national championship. Uh, last season but now David it's a new year and a lot of holes as we were just kind of discussing on this Clemson team and obviously the glaring one is at quarterback Uh, Deshaun Watson is gone after several years of stellar quarterback play Um, and now Clemson's going to be looking at a guy that is not going to have very much experience you're either looking at junior Kelly Bryant um, the redshirt freshman, um, and I may be saying his name wrong. Is it Zarek or Zarek Cooper? Yeah, Zarek. Zarek, and the, or you have Hunter Johnson, um, the early enrollee. So, when you're looking right now, David, at this at the quarterback position, um, what's your feel right now? It seems like maybe Kelly Bryant may have the leg up heading into fall camp. Yeah, I, I think so. Kelly's been around the program for three years now. Uh, you know, he's had playing time. It's limited. But he's played. He's actually played in a few big games. And uh, Kelly is, to me, what they want the Clemson offense to eventually be. He's a running quarterback, and they can run a lot of uh, different packages with him. Uh, I've talked to his quarterback coach who says, man, he's really improved throwing the football. Uh, people ask me, you know, what's he like running the football? Well, go watch you know, the tape of the Miami game a couple of years ago when he takes off on a 59-yard run and just outruns every Miami player into the end zone. He's a big kid, you know, six foot uh, three or four, you know, he's over 200 pounds. He runs like lightning. He's learning to throw and he's got a bunch of good wide receivers to throw to. But, you know, he's got the number one recruit in the country from last year and Hunter Johnson that he's trying to hold off. And he trying to hold off Zarek Cooper, who's an only 11 quarterback. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any shortage of talent there. They just got to get those kids grown up. And, and grow up quick is what they're going to have to do, um, especially with the beginning of that Clemson season. Uh, you open with Kent State, but then have Auburn, and then the game at Louisville uh, those first three weeks of the season. Um, it's going to be baptism by fire for whoever is the new quarterback uh, for the Clemson Tigers coming up. Not just the quarterback position, David, though, but running back. Uh, gone is Wayne Gallman. Um, I guess conventional wisdom would say C.J. Fuller might be that next guy, but 2016 saw him with just 211 yards and one career rushing touchdown. So where do the Tigers go now at running back? Is it CJ or is there somebody else? Well, they've got the, the, the number one kid, the number one running back in the country, but then the 2016 recruiting class, who was a freshman last year, Tavian Feaster. Tavian's a, another kind of a big kid. and He had soldier sur- shoulder surgery before he came into camp last year, so he was limited. And, yeah, he's a speedster. He's another guy that can hit the tackles and he can go. And, uh, you know, I like C.J. Fuller a lot. I just think that, uh, you know, by the time the season gets here, it's going to be Tavian Feaster's job. He's Mm -hmm. a kid that he can hit the home run at at any time. He's pretty good in pass block. Uh, He can catch the the ball coming out of the backfield. In fact, all of the running backs can. And, um, you know, then there's another, you know, kid in there, there too, that people tend to to forget about – They've got a walk-on Darian Rancher, and then they've got uh, uh, a kid out of Louisiana that I know the coaches are really excited about, Travis Etienne, uh, who was the Texas A&M kind of a guy. LSU was in on him, and then Clemson wound up with him, who's going to be a physical back. But but at the end of the day, I think it, it's it's going to be Tavian Feaster. David Hood, our guest here, TigerNet.com, talking Clemson football with us. Uh, David, it seems like we've gone over quarterbacks, we've gone over running backs. Now we look at wide receivers, and again, there's three of the top four guys gone, but then you look at the rest of the roster, and you still have Ray Ray McLeod, and you still have Deion Kane. Um, I think maybe the, the most glaring loss there is Jordan Leggett and the fact that there really isn't a bona fide – pass catching deep threat at tight end anymore um at least not on paper um so where do you think and and what do you see as the the tight end position this year for Clemson yeah tight end's going to be Mylon Richard Mylon is the the nephew of uh, former Georgia great Herschel Walker and Mylon is one of those kids as soon as he steps off the bus you go good grief this kid's going to be a football player <laughs> you know he's he's six foot four six foot five he's you know, right in that 250, 55 pound range. And 
you know, I've seen him at camp. I saw him in the spring and, and, you know, the only thing that was in his way was an NFL guy, you know, by the name of Jordan Leggett. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he knows what he's doing and he's just been one of those guys that's kind of been waiting to get his chance. And then they've got a couple of guys that are going to be blocking tight ends in uh, Cannon Smith. They've got JC Chalk, who's a freshman who's going to be uh, really good. And then at some point they're going to get uh, uh, Garrett Williams back, who's another guy that has played a lot the past couple of years. He's been a big part of the offense. But uh, he, he suffered a knee injury in the spring. They may be looking at mid-year getting him back. But Mylon Richard is is a guy that, that by the time midseason rolls around, everybody in the ACC is going to know who he is. Uh, again, just you, you don't know him because he's never gotten his, his real chance to shine because Jordan Leggett was the guy that they wanted out there. Yeah, for 60, 65 plays a game, now it's going to be Mylon Richard's turn. Sounds good. Um, so when you look at this offense as a whole, David and and obviously with with all of the changes and the, and the moving parts and the still a little bit of uncertainty at the quarterback position, um, what are you expecting from this Clemson offense this season? Is it going to be much of the same, or is this going to be a little bit of a transitional year uh, at least in the first couple of weeks until they really get things figured out midseason? Yeah, I think with the offensive line, you know, they've got four of those starters coming back, right? And, and that's huge. Uh, you know, the only loss is at center, but they've got a couple of guys there who are going to be able to step in and play. Both of them played a pretty good bit uh, at center. So I think they're going to rely on that offensive line and running game a little bit. When you've got uh, Kelly Bryant back there and then you throw in a Tavian Feaster, that's it's a pretty dynamic running game. you got those big hogs up front. And, you know, and I think what you're going to see is with the, with the loss of Deshaun Watson, maybe not as many shots downfield as have been taken in the past. There's no Mike Williams out there, you know, to, to go up and get a lot of those jump balls. So it's going to be more of a, of a screen game, um, uh, passes to the tight end over the middle, maybe more draw play, stuff like that. Uh, it may take them a little bit longer to move down the field <laughs> than it has in years past. You know, they've had that quick strike capability. Uh, you know, but uh, people forget, yeah, there's still Deion Kane there, who's a, who's a game-breaker. Exactly. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod is out there. And then they've got a kid coming in who, you know, people ask me, who do you compare him to? I don't compare him to anybody by the name of T. Higgins, who's, uh, you know, a lot of services had him as the number one wide receiver in the country. He's six foot five, jumps out of a gym, incredible basketball player, speed, hands you name it and and the question is not when is he going to, to get on the field or not yet but when and and i think we're going to see him getting significant touches in, in game one and game two uh he's just too good of a player to keep off the field uh but i think you're going to see a clemson team that's maybe going to rely on on the run a little bit more David Hood, our guest here, TigerNet.com. You can check out his work there. Uh, David, when we turn to the defense, it seems like the Tigers going to be stacked again on defense, uh, especially up front in the line and then the linebacker position. Uh, of course, Ben Bolwer gone, but it seems like um, they will be okay at that middle linebacker position, especially Kendall Joseph coming back, um, really a, a hard hitter. Um, so it seems like the D-line linebackers will be fine. Um, the one area of concern may be the defensive back and in that secondary position there. Um, you lose Cordero Tankersley um, and uh, Jadar Johnson. So where, I, I guess, is that a concern for you? And where do you think Clemson goes at that secondary position now? Yeah, you know, I think that that's probably the the one concern that they they have is is back there. Um, Kendall Joseph is going to move from the middle linebacker spot over to the weak side linebacker spot okay. played by Bullware, and then they've got a, a youngster that played a pretty good bit last year named Trey Lamar, who who looks like an NFL linebacker that's <laughs> that's going to take <laughs> over in the middle. He just walks on the field, and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, six foot four, two hundred and fifty four pounds oh. of, of mayhem and. Uh, yeah, that front seven is, is going to be ridiculous. But they've got, uh, you, you know, back there, they've, they've got a kid, uh, uh, Tanner Muse, that people are going to learn his name. He blocked a punt against Alabama in the championship game. He had a great game against Ohio State when one of the safeties went down with an injury in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, he's going to man one of the safety spots along with uh, Van Smith. Ryan Carter is going to start at one of the corner spots. And even though he's going to be, quote, unquote, a new starter back there, 
he's a senior who has played in every game over the past three years, whether it's at nickel corner, he's played a little bit of safety. Uh, he's a kid that's just kind of been waiting his turn. And then over at the other corner spot, a uh, kid that played some last year, Trayvon Moon's going to get a chance. Um, Mark Fields is a kid that played a lot last year. I think he actually started against Alabama. He's going to get another look. So they've got guys that have played back there. Um, you know, that one safety spot, though, that, that Muse is going to be at is the one that you're really looking at because that was the spot manned by, by Jadar Johnson, who's now gone off to the, to the NFL. But the defense, you know, we, we know it all is going to start up front. That front seven will be uh, lethal. David Hood, our guest here, TigerNet.com. All right, David, a few more than we're going to get you out of here. Appreciate the time tonight. Um, so we talked about the offense. We talked about the defense. Um, it seems like they may rely a little bit more on the run beginning of the year, um, really lean on that defense and that front seven. Um, several of the different uh, – I mean, you take your pick. You can look at the Athlon. You can – you know, you can look at any of them and and see the predictions. And I think a lot of them have Clemson right at that eleven and one, ten and two mark. Um, so, where what is the David Hood prediction um, for this Clemson Tiger team this season? You know, it's it's really funny. I was talking to somebody about that last night, and I said, you know, I'm not going to be entirely shocked that this team winds up losing four games just because losing Deshaun, you know, is mm-hmm. such a blow. And I'm not going to be surprised if this team goes uh, 11 and one. I do think that that early season stretch uh, is a little too rugged to go undefeated through. And that early season stretch, like we said, you know, that includes a, a home game against an improved Auburn team against Jarrett Stidham. Got to go to Louisville in week three. Uh, you know, do I think that Clemson is more talented than Louisville? I do, but I think that Florida State was more talented than Louisville last year, and they got their butts handed to mm-hmm. them. You know, on the national stage, Louisville is tough at home. Bobby Petrino is building something there. That's going to be very tough, you know. And then in week five, they've got to go up on the mountain and play in Blacksburg. Yeah, and and that's going to be tough. And I sit there and I go, you know, I just don't think that this team with the young quarterback that they're breaking in, I don't think they're going to go unscathed through that. And then you know, then they've got a, a, a you know an October trip into Raleigh to take on NC State that always plays them tough. Mm-hmm. And then there's that team from down in Florida, the Seminoles that they've mm-hmm. got at home in, in November. That's tough. I think that this is a ten and two football team. I think they're going to slip up twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the regular season somewhere along the way. Um, yeah, and earn an Orange Bowl berth. I think that's kind of where they're they're slotted this year. That September schedule, I mean, when you look at it, obviously Kent State, but then you have Auburn at Louisville, um, Boston College at Virginia Tech to wrap up September. That is a rough September slate right there. And then you mentioned the, the game at NC State. I think a lot of people, a lot of people in the ACC are looking at that NC State team. And and I feel like we, maybe we do it every year. We think that maybe this is going to be the year that NC State uh, really makes some strides and, and does something. Um but I know from talking to people at Louisville, that's a that's a game that a lot of fans and are looking at as, you know, I I don't, I don't know I, that's a that's a touchy one because Louisville plays at NC State um, this year <laughs> as well. So I mean I I don't know that NC State Wolfpack team they may be scaring us for no reason, um, but uh, that could be that's that's a touchy one there. Um, well, you know, NC State's going to have a great defensive line this year, and those mm-hmm. are a lot of kids that, you know, Clemson recruited uh, a lot of those kids, so that that should tell you something. And uh, if they can get anything going with the, uh, you know, with the offense, they should be fun to watch. These these first three games, we were talking about it a little bit before you came on, uh, between Louisville and, and Clemson have been really tight, uh, hotly contested games, and it seems like there's there is a bit of a a healthy – uh, competitive uh, rivalry <laughs> building between these two teams, very organic. Um, I mean, did, does it seem that way to you? And and um, I mean, because I, I I think it's good. I think it's good for the ACC that you have these these matchups, not just the the Clemson and Florida State or the the Florida State and Miami. Uh, that you have some of these other matchups, North Carolina, Duke. Uh, but but the Louisville Clemson one, I mean, that's that's got some juice, and these these matchups, these games have been so close. And it just feels like it's really building into becoming something really great. Yeah, it does, and and you know, three games, and and they just it seems like they've all been decided there in the final seconds. Who, you know, can forget uh, uh, you, you know one of Clemson's defensive backs having to chase down 
uh, I guess it was James Quick yep. uh, heading toward the end <laughs> it's zone. It's been James Quick two, years ago. two times, David. It's been James <laughs> Quick two times. Yeah, and, and you know, Quick, and, and you know, the thing about that game that's so funny is the, the defensive back that chased him down, uh, he told us after the game, he was like, I was out of position. I wasn't in the right coverage. If I'd been in the right <laughs> coverage, he goes for a touchdown. I just didn't see the right call from the sideline. And then, you know, up at Louisville a couple of years ago, that was the game where – you know, Louisville fans were so gracious to Clemson fans, and everybody wanted to talk about, you know, we're going to be good to them. And, and it was just, you know, to me, that was just a slobber knocker for four quarters. Two really mm-hmm. good football teams. Clemson had yet to find an offensive identity. And then last year in Death Valley, you know, it doesn't get any more electric than that. I yeah. remember, you know, walking over on the sidelines to the Louisville side before the game, and, and Lamar Jackson was dancing. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, he's not phased by this at all. You know, he's going to have a great game. And, you know, it's one of those things. Clemson and Florida State have always been the big rivals, but it's it's fun to add somebody like a Louisville that, uh, you know, every game has a little bit added to it. That's the truth, and, and this season doesn't look like it's going to be any different. Uh, David Hood, TigerNet.com. You can check out his work there. David, as always, we appreciate the time, buddy. Hopefully we can have you on again uh, the week of the game and, and talk a little bit more in-depth about this matchup. All right, man. Listen, I appreciate you guys having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks, David. David Hood, TigerNet.com, our guest here on the show. Uh, Lewis, do you uh, feel any different about the uh, this game coming up this season against the Tigers now? No. Uh, <laughs> no. It, and that's what always happens is I, I, I – it's better if I know less about a team. I feel better about it, um, as backwards as that sounds. So oh, I know. Hearing him talk a little bit more in depth about – some of the studs that they have, which go, you know, you got to figure that. I mean, they're, you know, they're the national champions. I mean, they've been there two times in a row and they're always dominant. So I'd expect nothing less, but uh, yeah, it doesn't bring me any comfort to hear about it. (laughs) I I mean, I think it was interesting listening to him talk about the, the offensive identity for this Clemson team. And you automatically start thinking about, okay, well, if, if their goal and if the early in the season, you know, if they're going to run the ball more, I mean, then you start looking at Louisville's run defense and can can Louisville hold up if, if Clemson does just want to pound the rock. Uh, so you start thinking about all of those things. And I think that if that's the game that, that Clemson wants to play and they want to, to run the ball more and their secondary is trying to figure things out, I, I, I don't know. I think that bodes well for Louisville in this game if if the Louisville defense can stand up against the run and stop the run. Um, I mean, we saw Duke in that ill-fated game that you went to at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. Uh, Louisville's not able to stop the run, and all Duke did was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Now, granted, they were getting field goals, um, and I have a feeling if Clemson does it, they're going to get touchdowns uh, just because of that offensive line. But I mean, I don't know. I am I am I am I just spitballing? Am I wrong here? I mean, does that does that logic make any <laughs> any sense at all? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and the the problem is at this point is I don't really think we have a good idea of what Louisville's defensive identity is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's talking about Clemson's offensive identity. I mean, it's it, there's that's the. I guess exciting yet also terrifying part of this football season is you last year they were riding so much momentum. Um, you knew they were going to come off uh, firing on all cylinders. Um, you know, had Lamar Jackson, had all these pieces back, had a, had a relatively experienced defense. I, actually, I should say a very experienced defense. Oh, yeah. Um, but this season, you're coming off of a three game losing streak. And, and honestly, two of those games were an absolute pounding. Um, You've got the Heisman Trophy winner, but you lost a lot uh, on defense, and I just, you just don't really know what to expect, and and I think it's going to be really, really interesting, and I think we're going to, fortunately, I think we have a decent opponent. I'm not, Purdue's not great. Uh, I think we've, we've figured that out, but at least it's not somewhat, you know, cupcake state, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And they've got, they've got good players. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You're not. It's not going to be a a. Well, it might be a walk in the park, but that's 
but that's another thing that concerns me. And I mean, I still don't know after one game if we're really going to have a good idea of what this Louisville defense is going to be. I think obviously the offense is going to look phenomenal. Um, and Lamar's probably going to put up some ridiculous numbers. Um, and then you look in that, I, I think maybe in that second game, in that second game, road game at North Carolina, I think we're really going to learn a lot about this Louisville team. And if Louisville walks out of there with the victory and comes home 2-0 and and played really well in the first two games, I'm going to feel very confident heading into that game against Clemson. And, of course, a lot of that also depends on what Clemson does um, because they do have an Auburn team that is improved and that they'll be playing, of course, in their house, but that they'll play that second game of the season right before they travel uh, to take on Louisville. So maybe we just hope that Auburn runs a whole bunch of their zone read schemes and really wears down that Clemson football team before they come in here. Um, But you're right, and you said it before David came on, that last year Louisville got the Florida State monkey off our bikes. We, We did it in dynamic, flashy fashion and just dismantled them. Um, and made it look easy. And I'm not saying that we have to do that to Clemson this year, but I, Louisville has to beat Clemson this year. Even if they go to Tallahassee at the end of the year and lose to Florida State, I, I'm not going to say that's okay because losing's never okay, but it, it you've already beat them once. So if you trade off with them and you win one, you lose one, you win one, you lose one, that's okay. That We, we can deal with that. But to lose now four in a row against Clemson, I, there would be people in this football fan base lining up on the uh, walking bridge um, just ready to jump. Um, but I, I do think I, I think this this has to be the year. And honestly, if you can't do it this year with all of the pieces that Clemson's replacing, now granted, it's just a five-star leaving and a five-star coming in because that's the way they've recruited, and that's credit to Dabo Sweeney and his staff. Um, but, I mean, if you if you can't get them this year without an experienced quarterback, then when are you going to get them? I mean, honestly, I mean, it, it, it has to be this year. Um, so we will see, but um, I don't know. I mean, in your opinion, is this year successful – if we don't beat Clemson? Um, if we beat Florida State, at Florida State, then yes. But that's a really, really tough game that I feel like if we don't snag the one against Clemson, I'm not sure we're going to snag the one against Florida State. So I think if we if we drop to Clemson, it's going to be really hard because it's at home um, mm-hmm. and you never want to lose a game at home. But if we do lose to, to Clemson at home but we beat Florida State, I don't think – it'll be a failure, but if we drop the Clemson one, I'd have a hard time seeing us winning the Florida State one. So um, maybe not a complete failure, but it'll definitely be (laughs) – it'll be hard because you're pretty much – you kind of start the year thinking, all right, 10-2 and with those two losses coming to Clemson and Florida State right off the bat. So if you can snag one of those or snag both, you feel a lot better about your team. So I don't know. Yeah, and then you also – I mean, if you lose to Clemson – and then you lose to Florida State, then by October 21st, you're basically don't even care anymore about the conference season. Because if you if you lost those two games, then your then your odds of, of winning the ACC Atlantic Division are just are shot. So I don't know. And that also goes back to my whole gripe about ACC scheduling and how these things need to be spaced apart more. I mean seriously Syracuse does not need to be our our last ACC game like we don't need to wrap up ACC play with at Wake Forest Virginia and Syracuse at home that's I mean oh gosh no that doesn't need to be the case anyway moving on uh summer football preview series rolling along um Alan Moff of the record courier in Canton Ohio going to join us here in just a little bit to talk a little bit of Kent State football. Now, Lewis has a a Kent State hot take, which kind of rhymed and it wasn't intentional. Um, But Lewis, before we get Alan on, I'm going to let you explain your your Kent State hot take that you fired at me uh, the other day. My explanation is that it is 
um, July and the College World Series is over and football doesn't <laughs> happen for two months and I just wanted to say something to stir up trouble. <laughs> I was really thinking that this was a legitimate, like, you had thought this through and you knew, like, beyond shadow of a doubt that that this was going to be... First of all, you didn't even tell people what it was. I mean, you let that one go. So you have to own up to it. Even if you were joking, you said it. So you have to put this out there because then if this... For some reason, if this happens, first of all, I'm going to be distraught, but you're going to look like a genius. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what else is new? But, um, gosh. Yeah, I said that... Uh, that Kent State was a trap game for Louisville, which now that I look at it or think about it, I mean, it is right after the Clemson game. So oh, boy, here we go. Potentially, here we if go. we do take the – well, either case, we either lose to Clemson or we win, obviously being the only two options. Um, <laughs> there we go. if we win the game, you could be on that high. You know, you got to play another game shortly thereafter versus Kent State. You might be riding the high and think we can beat anybody. Um, you know, don't take Kent, Kent State too seriously, and you take an L. Or you could take an L to Clemson and then be so down in the dumps that you forget that seven days later you have to play another game against Kent State and then another tough game against Murray State. So <laughs> potentially there's a back-to-back trap games there after Clemson. So now not only is Kent State a trap game for Lewis, but Murray State now, uh, out of the mighty FCS, is now also a We're trap game. We're more, more so at a trap session. That's now. at Lewis Metzinger, L-O-U-I-S-M-E-T-Z-I-N-G-E-R on Twitter um, if you want to hit him up uh, with his hot takes. I will say, um, looking at the Kent State schedule, though, uh, they are, they're trying to go 2-0 and in the ACC Atlantic Division uh, because they traveled to Death Valley for the first game of the season. Uh, and then the obviously game four they will travel here uh, to take on the Louisville Cardinals. So uh, Kent State trying to go two and zero uh, in uh, in the ACC Atlantic Division. Well, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. <laughs> Again, that's at Lewis Metzinger. Uh, all of your hate mail can go there. Uh, Kent State right now uh, projected to finish sixth in the MAC East uh, Division at 3-9 and nine and just 2-6 and six in the MAC. Uh, last season, Kent State Golden Flashes finished again at 3-9 and nine and 2-6. and six. Um, Out of conference, they took a loss at Penn State, uh, took a loss to Alabama, uh, North Carolina A&T, and got the win over Monmouth. Um, this Kent State team, there's a couple things – um, about this team that I really wanted to ask Alan about. And there was one quote in particular, uh, and I'm reading obviously from the uh, Athlon Sports uh, preseason preview, um, but the, the quote was from an opposing uh, Mac assistant coach. He said, quote, They're going to need a miracle for Paul Hayes to keep his job. The problems go deeper than changing a coaching staff. That's some some pretty harsh criticism there from a uh, opposing coach in your conference, um, Lewis. If you were uh, if you were the head coach of the Golden Flashes, would you be uh, picking up the phone and calling some SIDs and figuring out uh, who issued that statement? Because that's I mean, I thought coaching was a brotherhood. That's that's pretty harsh. Yeah. I- I mean, I, I, I wouldn't call coaching a brotherhood, so it doesn't surprise <laughs> me too much. But especially with some of the some of the shots we've seen just in our own conference, so True. not surprising. Oh man, yeah, that was a rough one. Um, well, we're gonna get his opinion now, and we are very happy to bring on Alan Moth of the Record Courier in Canton, Ohio, covering the Kent State Golden Flashes. Alan, welcome into the program. How you doing tonight? Doing great. How about you? We're doing wonderful. Uh, we were just talking a little bit about this Kent State football team before you joined us. Um, I said they're trying to go two and zero in the ACC Atlantic Division this year, uh, opening up against Clemson and then the uh, the game at Louisville in the fourth game of the season for Kent State. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, 
Wow, man. Yeah, the schedule is brutal every year, and uh, this is right up there <laughs> with, <laughs> with the toughest ones they've ever taken on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that says it all right there. Two in the first four weeks. Yep. It- <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be uh, it's it's gonna be an interesting one. It's gonna be it's it is a good schedule, um, a very difficult one though for Kent State. Um, so, just a little bit about this team, because um, obviously, I'm sure a lot of people probably don't know a whole lot about Kent State. Um, Nick uh, Nick Holy moved from the slot position to the quarterback position last year. Looks like he's going to be the quarterback this year for Kent State. A uh, dynamic guy can do it with his legs. Um, what is the the feel this year for this Kent State offense? Looks like um, they may be more of a complete offense than they have been in the last couple of years. Yeah, they haven't really had a proven quarterback um, you know, in the mix. They've been having kind of camp competitions the last several years, so uh, Nick is coming off a knee injury, but all signs indicate that he should be good to go, um, you know, by preseason camp. Uh, they actually were able to develop some depth behind him. They had a lot of injuries at quarterback. Obviously, that's the reason he was thrown in there, um, you know, kind of mid-year. Right, but actually, the MAC openers when he uh, they kind of unleashed him. It really, just as kind of a desperate measure at that point. They'd gone through uh, three quarterbacks already, so <laughs> they tried something. And against Akron, their rival, I think they just wanted to surprise him a little bit, and it, it worked really well. Um, yeah, he's a dynamic guy. Um, they're, they're definitely hoping that you know he's a high school quarterback, so they're hoping that an off season of actually throwing the ball and, and, and you know trying to get some timing with his receivers and that type of thing will help him a lot. He actually was able to throw the ball you know a little better than I would have expected. You know, based on the fact that he hadn't played quarterback since high school, he was he was a threat. I mean, he certainly wasn't going to beat you with his arm, but he was a threat. And now they're obviously hoping that he can do even more on that end. And obviously, he's a really good athlete, uh, excellent vision, good explosion, um, definitely a, a playmaker. No, no question about that. It looks like this Kent State team, when you look at them the past couple of seasons, their their kind of calling card, their hallmark has been they've been very solid on defense. Um, in your opinion, do you think that that's going to be um, kind of what they lean on again going into this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, Paul Haynes is a defensive guy. Um, he played cornerback Kent, you know, back in the day. He was a defensive coordinator, um, you know, all you know as an assistant. Um, and, and yeah, their defense has been pretty solid since he got here. Um, not as not as you know dominant as he wants, obviously. But uh, you know, last year that their defense held him into pretty much every game. Um, they certainly expect that to happen again this year. Uh, you know, hopefully, even taking that next step to being a little more of a dominant, a little more of a big play type of unit. Um, you know, I, I really kind of flipped over to the offense. I mean, they they have to get some production there. I mean, early in the season they were getting you know, virtually nothing in their non-league and getting beat up pretty bad. So, you know, it still kind of comes down to, yes, their defense will hold them in games, but, you know, there comes a point in, in this day and age of college football, <laughs> you've got to score. <laughs> yeah, it, Score it's... quick, and so, yeah, you know, you got to be able to do that to compete week in, week out. <laughs> that's the truth, and, and hopefully with some more explosion on the offensive side of the ball, um, they, they'll be able to manufacture some of those points, and, and you're right. You mentioned, I mean, the defense holding them in games. Several games, though, last season, four points or, or less, Kent State was losing these games. Um, so do you think that maybe the, the offense gets enough of a bump uh, that maybe they can get past that 3-9 that and nine mark that they were at this year and that a lot of people are predicting them to be at this year? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a, until they prove it, they can get over that hump. You know, <laughs> I, I, that's, that's a prediction everybody should make. That's a prediction I would make. But, yeah, if you're Kent um, – you expect your defense to hold you in, and you're hoping that with Holly coming back as a proven guy now, um, they've added a couple of receivers, added a JUCO guy with some size. Um, they actually lost a, their best receiver early in the season last year to a to a season-ending injury, Chris White. Um, he's back in the mix. Um, they ran some guys in at, at running back, um, had some guys that were injured and are healthy again. So you're just hoping that you know one of the things they did last year is they ran Holly. You know, way too much a lot more than they ever wanted to mm-hmm. um, he's basically involved in every single play if he wasn't running it, he's throwing it and he's not a very big kid um he had a he had a, actually a pretty major back injury the week the, the year before that against minnesota and missed most of the year so um you know they've got to find some other guys to take some heat off of him that could make plays too so if you're looking at the the offense and you're looking for one guy not named nick holly <laughs> to really be a uh, an impact player for this offense who are you going with um they had a had a running back last year justin rankin who had some pretty nice games um 
that they definitely expect to, to he had some injury problems as well but when he was healthy he was the one guy that could consistently take the heat off of Holly and do some things I um, mean he's a really good you know receiver out of the backfield um, had some nice uh, you know close to 100 yard games rushing as well I know he had to use over 100 yard receiving game at one point so he's the one guy that you would look at um, that could definitely like I said if he stays healthy this year they're expecting big things from and the way they kind of run things, they'd like to put the ball in a lot of people's hands when things are going well. So they think they've got a pretty decent stable of people, um, you know, a couple guys that can kind of, you know, a little bit of a big play threat that they really haven't had. Um, they had a guy named Antoine Dixon a couple of years ago who was kind of a smaller kid but real explosive and, and showed some things as a freshman. But he missed all last year with a blood disorder that actually turned so bad that he had, to, like, life-threatening surgery uh, a few months ago. So. Mm. Um, you know, he's not going to be back this year, but they're, they're hoping to actually get him back. He's, he's coming along real well, but that's they're, great. they're hoping to get him back. Uh, maybe, probably not this year, but maybe next year. But, um, you know, that's kind of where they're at. They're still looking for that game breaker, but, uh, the ranking kid can kind of give him something consistent, uh, you know, kind of four or five yards of pop and making some big plays out of the backfield, catching them. So I'll ask you the same question now, but on the, on the defensive side of the football, um, who's really going to be that playmaker for them on defense? They've got a couple of really good cover corners, um, uh, guys that have been all Mac the last two years. Demetrius Monday was all Mac two years ago. Um, had one of those years last year. Where he was just he, he messed up an ankle early in the year. It was just never right. But uh, a very good player when he's healthy. That uh, you know the NFL scouts were pretty high on a couple of years ago. And I know if he can kind of get back to 100, um, percent you know he can get back to that level. That would be huge for them. Um, in his absence last year, though, Jarrell Foster stepped up and became an all-MAC uh, cover guy. And, and the way they run their defense, they like to, you know, they single up quite a bit on the outside. So uh, having those two guys out there, um, and they got a pretty decent safety coming back as well, and uh, Juwan Tez McCray. So um, they're pretty solid back there. They like to, like I said, single people up so they can kind of do some other things with the other guys. And uh, they got two, two good cover corners that can kind of make that happen and hopefully make some big plays in the secondary. And, you know, obviously to be an elite defense, You've got to make those huge, you know, game breaker, uh, you know, game changer type plays, and those are two guys that could certainly do that. For Alan Moff, our guest here of the Record Courier there in Canton, Ohio, talking a little Kent State football with us. Uh, Alan, fall camp getting underway for Kent on August the second. Um, as they go into fall camp, what are going to be some of the storylines that you're following? Well, unfortunately, more bad news with them is that they had, uh, I don't know if you heard, but uh, they had a freshman um, who passed away, actually, during a preseason camp drill about two weeks ago. Uh, maybe it's three weeks ago now, but uh, Tyler Heinz was his name. Um, so, unfortunately, you're going into camp with with that kind of fresh on everybody's mind. Um, so, that, that would be one storyline yeah. that they're going to have to deal with, and it's just a horrible thing. It's actually the second time in the last three years they've lost an offensive lineman um, three years ago, they lost their starting offensive lineman 10 days before the opener. He passed away in his sleep. So mm. um, Coach Haynes has had to deal with a lot of losing and then a lot of just incredible things off the season as well, off the field as well. So, um, yeah, that's one. But, obviously, you know, getting back to the actual play, um, you know, Holly's the one you're going to look at, obviously, coming off a knee injury just to make sure he's back and he's healthy. Um, and then just – trying to figure out who's going to emerge on this offense to be, you know, like, you know, you're kind of guessing, you're hoping Rankin should be one, but they definitely need some other guys to really emerge and prove that they can do some things that they hope they can do. Um, going into the schedule, uh, there's certainly, <laughs> there's no time to uh, kind of tiptoe into things. Uh, so you're hoping some guys can emerge in camp and you, you have some people that you're going to look at going into that Clemson game and hopefully they can, Obviously, that's not a game you're going to win. Let's face facts, but you know you hope you can get some guys that make some plays in that game to to, to build some encouragement and some some optimism. I now that I was going to stay away from it, but since you you mentioned Tyler um, and and the loss there, and and it seemed like just freak accident, and some of the autopsies are saying hyperthermia uh, being the cause, and you mentioned some of the the things that Paul Haynes has had to deal with in his tenure there at Kent. Um, with the the other tragic death in in 2014, how have you seen him in this off season and as we prepare for fall camp to really kind of get his guys together and and I don't even know if you can focus on football, but but try to get them try to get everybody together and and, and get everybody 
um, you know, focused and, and really kind of rallied the troops in a sense. Well, you know, I mean, you can't sit here and say that Paul's a tremendous football coach um, based on X's and O's and, and that type of thing based on his record. I mean, you just can't say that. But one thing you can anybody that knows Paul will tell you he's, he's a great human being. Um, there's really I don't know of anybody else that could handle these situations that they've thrown at him and, and it's been unfortunately put on his shoulders, you know, as the head coach, I don't know if anybody can handle him any better. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he's, he's great at rallying the troops. He's great at you know, respecting what's happened and respecting the people involved and taking care of the families. I mean, the families of these, of these young men that passed away are extremely close to the program. I mean, in a lot of other situations you'd have, especially in this last one, you, you don't know how that's going to go down. Right. Um, right. Based on how it happened. And, 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 you know, there's still a lot of speculation out there. The university isn't really saying much at this point, but I know the family is, you know, I mean, basically the entire Kent football team went to the funeral. The family came out of the funeral was, you know, was like told, told to, you know, told to leave you know, how they do. Well, the family came back, the entire family came back and addressed the team after everything wow. was said and done. So that's quite a gesture there that kind of tells you that there's obviously no hard feelings to say the least. I mean, mm-hmm. they're actually very close. So yeah, it tells you something about Paul because that doesn't happen without a head coach that's handling those things as, as right as they can be handled. So, you know, from that angle, I, you know, like I said, I don't know what else, I don't know what anybody else could do any better than he does is handling those situations. Alan Moff, our guest here, the record courier in Canton, Ohio, talking a little Kent state football with us. Uh, Alan, our thoughts and prayers are going out to Tyler's family and to the Kent State football program as they try to deal with this and and get past it. And if they can possibly focus on football this season um, because of that, they have a great schedule. I know those guys are, when they looked at this schedule as competitors, when you see Clemson and you see Louisville on your schedule, I mean, that's got to juice them up. They've got to be jacked up for those games. No, no question. I mean, they've played these teams before. They play them every year, uh, similar ones. I mean, they had Ohio State, uh, you know, the year they're coming off. I mean, you know, coming off a great year. I mean, so it's nothing that they haven't really faced before. But yeah, you, you know, you just, you, you can't, you, you can in camp, you can't even try to emulate what you're about to face. <laughs> so you know, it's tough. I mean, it's very tough. I mean, obviously they, they book these games to make some money, and mm-hmm. you, you know, it, it makes it tough. I mean, they had their other non-conference game other than they host Howard um, but they're going to Marshall who, it, <laughs> Marshall isn't what they used to be obviously but Marshall's still Marshall that's not going to be an easy game to go down there and it, win either so. no no it's not I mean just ask <laughs> Louisville uh, last yeah. year going to play Marshall and and it was almost like and everybody at Louisville and, and all the fans and, and the media here have said you know that Marshall gave everybody the game plan on how to handle Lamar Jackson uh, last <laughs> year which the, the way that they kind of kept him under control at least for a little while in that game um mm-hmm. so yeah that going to Marshall is is no easy feat uh at all so but best of luck to Kent State this season look forward to uh welcoming them into Papa John's Cardinal Stadium and thank you so much Alan for your time and hopefully we can uh, talk to you again to, during game week and, and really break this game down a little more yeah sounds great sounds all right great. awesome thank you Alan okay man Alan Moff, the record and courier there in Canton, Ohio, talking a little Kent State. Um, Lewis, I love when beat writers are very honest. <laughs> and I think that Alan was about as honest as they come. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point when you're covering um, teams like that and you're, you're going up against competition like that, you just have to be. Um, and, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's refreshing, to say the least. So big thanks again there to Alan Moff of the Record and Courier for coming on the show with us. We really appreciate that. Um, there won't, guys. We won't be doing a summer football preview series next week uh, because it would be Week Five and Louisville plays Murray State in Week Five. Um, so I know Lewis thinks that's a trap game, but I don't necessarily think that we need to do a uh, an interview. On that one, unless you want me to, Lou, I will do that's it. What, that's what everyone says before the trap game. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, one thing, uh, a couple things before we get out of here. Um, I didn't get your opinion on this because it happened, I think it was last week, um, and then we didn't have a show, and things were kind of crazy in our schedules. So I didn't get to talk to you about this or get your opinion. But uh, Louisville baseball charging $10 uh, for chairback seats next season. It will no longer be free uh, to catch a game at Jim Patterson Stadium. Um, just, 
your opinion on that? I mean, $10 for a game, 150 bucks for season tickets. <laughs> to me, it's not a big deal, but there are a bunch of people that are wigging out about it. Yeah, I think I'm 100% with you. Um, I mean, you've gotten to watch um, some of the the highest level of baseball in the collegiate ranks over the past however many years completely for free. Um, you got to watch uh, Brendan McKay, the best player in college baseball, maybe ever, um, arguably, um, play for three years for free. So I think you can pony up the $10 to watch one of the highest levels of baseball um, on any collegiate diamond across the country. So um, anyone that's got a problem with it, I think they can look back over the success that uh, Coach Max had for the past 10 years, um, and I think they'll be able to justify those $10. I mean, Coach Max said this, and then I can say the exact same thing. When he goes to watch high school baseball throughout the state, he pays like 6 bucks to get into a baseball game. When we went to watch Ben play um, in the regionals at Jim Patterson, I paid, what was it, like 7 bucks a ticket? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if, you can, if you can pay 7 or 8 bucks for a high school ticket, I think you can pay 10 for some of the best college baseball you'll see. Yep, without a doubt. And every every time we go to a tournament, um, anything of Ben's, um, not even that. Anytime we go to any of my, my sister-in-law's volleyball games, mm-hmm. which are homeschool volleyball games, it's 5 to $7. Yeah. So you'll be just fine paying $10 for, like you said, and like I mentioned earlier, some of the best baseball um, that exists out there on the college level. Yeah. You'll live card nation. It's, it's going to be okay. Promise you you can handle ten bucks. Don't worry about it. It's fine. That just maybe that means one less beer at the concession stand, which I think will be just about <laughs> plenty for everyone. <laughs> You'll be fine. Um, all right. So great show tonight. Thanks again to David Hood for coming on uh, TigerNet.com talking some Clemson with us, and then of course Alan Moff, the Record and Courier, for coming on talking Kent State. Uh, at the top of the show, we talked NBA Summer League. Uh, Donovan Mitchell out there, Mango Mathieng out there as well. Uh, Lewis, you've got the schedule for the rest of, I believe it's, is it just Donovan's games or is it the Summer League in general? I think it's just, is it just Donovan? Um, yeah. Okay. Because I think so. I'm just going off of the game specifically that Utah has remaining. Yeah. Um, right now they're in the Utah Summer League. Um, so they have one game, their last game of the Utah portion of it there's some teams playing in the orlando summer league some teams playing in the utah summer league um as far as the utah one goes they have one game tonight at 9 p.m that's their last one in that league and that's against boston um and then it kind of trans everything changes over to the las vegas summer league um and based on the schedule that i've got pulled up uh they play at um in Las Vegas against Portland on Saturday, this coming Saturday at 6, and that game's on ESPNU. Um, And then that Sunday, immediately after, um, they play um, the Clippers, again in Las Vegas, at 8 p.m. That's on NBA TV. Um, And then their final game, based on what I can see, is on Tuesday, July 11th, um, and that's against Memphis, and that's at 4.30, um, again, in Las Vegas, um, and that one is also on ESPNU. So you have a couple more chances, um, free chances, to watch um, to watch Donovan go off. So especially, take advantage of those. Yeah, especially that one on ESPNU. It'll be a good opportunity to get out there or to turn on your TV, sit back, watch the little Donovan Mitchell uh, go off for the Utah Jazz in the Summer League. Lewis, it's been a great show, buddy. Um, we did it again. Yep. We got it going. That's right. All right. Thank you so much, Card Nation, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Again, share out the podcast. Thanks to David Hood. Thanks to Alan Moth. For Lewis, I'm Taylor. This has been another episode of The Breakdown. Go Cards. We'll talk to you guys next week. But now I know.